2: It's time. It's time. It's time.
1: time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else.
2: Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five victory! Cowboys win! This is love of the star. 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 Welcome star. to the Love of the Star, star. podcast. Star. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of the Cowboys. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broadus. He is now the co-host of the G Bag Nation, two to seven p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan. You can also catch him as the pre and post game co-host. Uh, on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And, Brian, uh, Merry Christmas to you and everyone listening. As we record this on Christmas, you guys will actually hear this Monday morning. Uh, But, uh, Brian, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, all that.
1: Merry Christmas to you as well. We got quite a present uh, from AT&T Stadium on Saturday. That's a hell of a football game. You know, really, really was. I mean, neither team was just... (laughs) Neither team was interested in going away, and, and both defenses were under attack. I, I felt like Dallas's defense would be under attack. I didn't feel like Philadelphia's defense would become under attack. Is the way it was, but really nice job by the Cowboys finishing that one off.
2: Yeah, and let's uh, let's see which way we want to take this. For It's funny you say it being a great football game because I'm standing in the tunnel uh, waiting for the game to end so that we can do our NFL Network interview on the field. And we didn't know at that point if we'd be interviewing Philadelphia or Dallas. Um, and I see Devontae Smith make that big catch inside the 20 uh, with like 30 seconds left. And when he makes that catch, I, I'm sitting there feeling like, okay, this one's about to slip away from them. But in my head, I was still sitting there thinking, and this has been a great game. It would be awful for them to lose this because this has been a fantastic game. That to me is probably the most entertaining football game the Cowboys have played this season.
1: Oh, they've had a few that if uh, that have uh, I think that you know with some of the comebacks and you know the Houston game they didn't play particularly well. Houston's beaten them with cover two all day. Dallas gets the ball. They're attacking cover two, and you're like going, man. But then there was down the field the Minnesota game. I mean, there have been some games that have, for me, have been entertaining. But that was the one when you start to talk about it, Bobby. That you know Philadelphia was minus their quarterback. Yeah. As as were you when you first time you met them, but their defense was intact. Now they had guys that got knocked out as the game went on. Maddox got knocked out. Uh, Davis got knocked out. So, but overall, your offense was going against their first defense, and for them, the Cowboys to throw the ball as well as they did against that defense, against that secondary, I think that says a lot. And uh, you know, but on the flip side of that, we we talked about this, you know, with Gardner Minshew. This is not some just guy, this is when right. you watched him play in the Pac-12 for Mike Leach. That's all I kept thinking about. By the way, as a game as they were driving the ball, I'm thinking after this game if they win, he is going to give that Mike Leach was with me in Spirit Day, you know, kind of a thing. But you watch, you watch Gardner Minshew throw that football. I've seen him do this before. I've seen him do it in. You know, at 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 the Washington State, against some good Pac-12 defenses, and just kind of carve them up. So yeah, Dallas was, I mean, they're just hanging on and hanging on, and uh, but like I said, to get that victory, uh, uh, very satisfying and very entertaining all in the same day. Let's
2: talk. Uh, I guess first off, I mean, the the, the probably the. Highlight or, or or the most important player that this came down to, as it often does, is going to be your quarterback and the way that he plays. Um, you know, it it felt it, it felt really uh, that first drive. I think it was his second pass. He throws the interception to Josh Sweat, and there's no debates about that one or 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 caveats you can throw in there. It was just an awful. He he misjudged who Josh Sweat was in front of him, um, and and so that was an instance where he just made a bad decision and made a bad you know choice and thought, oh, I can throw this over his head, and he absolutely couldn't throw it over his head. Um, And so uh, after that first interception, he runs it back. They're down 10-0, and you kind of felt like, here we go again. They can't get out of their own way. This is what's going to happen. And then from then on out, Dak Prescott played, uh, undoubtedly to me, the best game he's played all year.
1: Yeah, and I guarantee you when they ran that play in practice, uh, tack McKinley didn't jump up in the air like uh, sweat did to defend that ball. You know, Dak, and when they ran that play in practice, Dak probably dropped back in, came and then all of a sudden it was just you know, direct shot to Schultz. You know, now we're going to run the play and go forward. So, you know, sometimes you get in these games and, and we talk about the Cowboys. And when they practice, when they don't practice, you know, keeping players fresh and all, you know, sometimes in a game you, you get comfortable throwing a play, you get comfortable throwing a route and then you call it a game and you're like, Oh, that's not how we practice the play. You know, we practice the play with, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with, uh Tyler Smith, you know, taking his guy and making sure and nobody getting close to Dak and then, you just dump it over the top. Right. You know, and that's what happens to you sometimes. Uh, but you're right about Dak overall after that. Uh, it was, it. you know, he, he was just not, he was just not going to let them lose this game. And and I mean that in a way of the way that he was able to come back, you know, his accuracy, the scrambling, that, that third and.
2: Third and third 30. Of,
1: well, not the third and 30. <laughs> But the one, the, the scramble where he's uh, he's dead to rights. Maddox has got him.
2: Oh, yeah. I think that was like third and seven or something. Yeah. Third,
1: it was actually third and five, if I remember correctly. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't go to the ground. And what does he do? He throws the ball to Michael Gallup for eight yards. And now it keeps the drive going. And it's a second and eight, same drive, scrambles for 10 yards, not letting the drive die. You know, that that's the kind of things that Dak Prescott was able to do after, unfortunately, through that uh, that interception that was a pick six. But everybody seems to focus on that interception and another pick six as we go forward here.
2: Yeah, in fact, here are the numbers. John Michauda tweeted these out from The Athletic. Here are the numbers for Dak Prescott after the interception, Brian. 25 of 32, 332 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, a 141.6 passer rating. It's uh, – Really in, impossible. Against, be much better than he did
1: against one of the best, better, or if you want to say defenses in the National Football. League.
2: Statistically, the best pass defense in the NFL this season um, yeah. is is what he does. And then now that yeah, before we jump into the next thing, I want to talk about here is I, I want to discuss Ceedee Lamb and the way that he played again yesterday and the the receiver that he's turned into. But that third and thirty that that I referenced a little bit ago. Have you ever seen and look, I know there are some that are probably a little more like, oh, wow, look how he threaded this and things like that, but just a a straight drop it in the bucket, especially given the the weight of the play seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're about to have to punt it's third and 30. The the conversion rate on third and 30 plus uh, since 1994, which is far back as play statistics go on pro football reference. The conversion rate is 2.3 percent. Um in fact teams generally turn it over more than they pick up a first down on that play. Um, but have you ever seen Dak Prescott make a better pass? E- even if there's been some that are equal to it, have you ever seen one that's better than the one he threw there?
1: I'm gonna make you feel real bad here.
2: You're gonna you're gonna say, like, look, it's TY Hilton, the quarterback. You're supposed to make those throw. What are you gonna do? No. You're gonna dump on my quarterback, hit me with it. <laughs>
1: Do you remember a pass he threw to another really short, small receiver?
2: The one against that, the Giants in the back of the end zone at the end of 2018 was beautiful. It was. It, it absolutely was. It's man. Here's. I know you're gonna watch. Rolling, tomorrow.
1: rolling to his left, he throws that ball. It's beautiful. The, it's what I mean. I've seen some quarterbacks throw some unbelievable baller balls. Brett Favre. Uh, you know, I've I've been around them all. I'm Troy Aikman. I've been around them all. Um, that ball he threw in the Giants game was probably the best pass, most clutch pass. That was a clutch pass yesterday. That really, really was. And especially with him and what he had to do, you know, to get the ball down the field. And give TY Hilton a lot of credit for concentrating.
2: Oh, I mean, that because, yeah. Because There's a little he, bobble.
1: Well, he runs past he runs past Slay, uh, excuse me, Slay. And now he's down that sideline, and you got safety over the top that's like swiping as the ball's kind of coming down yep, and I mean where the ball was put and how uh Hilton was able to concentrate and get it in haul it in and make the play yeah, but if you ask me one of the best passes that Dax ever thrown, I'd have to say the one of the Giants game that won that game was uh that was that was just as. Just as beautiful.
2: I I think I think when so you'll you'll go into the star tomorrow morning to watch tape, right? I will be there. Yeah. Just let me know how the end zone view looks. Let me know how the end zone view of the pass looks because oh, I think I, it, it was yeah, impressive.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, no, it that was that was not an that was not an easy throw at all, not at it, all. But it in it a it in a, in a really a crucial part of the game too. I mean, I think at that point, you're you're you meant you mentioned two percent chance. You know, earlier in the game, Hilton had drawn a pass interference call as well or a defensive holding or contact. Yeah, it was a le-
2: it was a legal contact on fourth and 8. I
1: mean, like sudden, you're like two of the most crucial plays in a game, you get the ball to the Eagles right there. That that's probably going to be points for them, you know, and so I man, I I, I mean, look already already involved in what's going on, two very crucial plays that helped you win that football game uh, on uh, on Saturday.
2: So, uh, does this, Dak talked earlier last week, he said this was an opportunity to be a statement game for them because of the statement it could make to themselves, less so the statement they make to the rest of the NFL. Um, do you think the statement they made to themselves yesterday was what we've kind of been talking about? You know, you've said the offense has to carry him. And and what include you know, what's including that in all likelihood is the passing game has to carry him if they really want to get into these back-to-back games that were 40 to 34 with the Jaguars yeah. last week that you're on the wrong end. This week you're on the right end of it. But do you think the statement made last week is we went up against the best pass defense in the NFL? Dak played the best game of his season, put up, you know, huge numbers. Do you think the statement yesterday was we have the confidence now to know Dak can carry us against anybody if we need him to.
1: The only person they were missing was their quarterback. And you played them earlier in the year, and your quarterback was not available as well. So when he starts to talk about you know that, there you go. But the fact that the Eagles were at full strength when they kicked that ball off yesterday, full strength on defense. Again, I mentioned the guys they lost along the way. But to get a victory, to put up points, to get yards, they didn't run the ball worth a damn. But you know what? They ran enough, and Dak ran enough, to make it work. You know, that's how these teams are winning games now. Your quarterback kicks in 40 yards, 50 yards, 100 yards, if you're fortunate. You know, that's what happens in these games. And if you're the Cowboys – you take a lot of positive things away from that game. You turn them over. You know, you got to stop on the final drive. You got to actually a couple of stops, you know, to to get your offense a chance to win that game and put it away. You know, you just didn't do it the right way. But I I, I don't know how you can't walk away, you know, watching that game going, damn, they just put up a lot of yards and a lot of points on statistically one of the best defenses in the National Football League.
2: And moreover, CeeDee Lamb again was so, so good again on Saturday. Uh, This is over his last eight games, Brian. He's been targeted 69 times. He's made 54 catches, 728 yards, six touchdowns. His catch percentage is up to 78.3%. If you average that out over 17 games, Brian, that's a receiving total of 115 catches, 1,547 yards, and 13 touchdowns. That's an all-pro stat line. Um, do you think we've really, you know, I think people th- felt like he had a good start to the season. He was playing steady for him, you know, even with Dak out. It's a 75 against Cincy, 87 against the Giants, 97 against Washington, playing steady ball. But do you think we've come to the second half of the season and with Dak and CeeDee really able to finally have this time together as CD's coming to his own? Do you think we're seeing that CeeDee Lamb is has stepped up into the level of elite receiver, not just a guy who can be a number one, but is now an elite receiver.
1: I think he's working that direction, Bobby. I I really, really do. Uh, You know, it was like, he was like at 10, uh, you know, early in the year, and then every week he's got a little bit better. I feel now you start to talk to him, say from that 10 to now maybe in the top six when we start talking about receivers. Uh, and, you know, t- if you want to call the top five the elite, I think he's just on the, the the just the bottom rung of that. Just one rung below some of those guys like we see the Jeffersons, the Chases, you know, the uh, uh, Hills, guys like that. Uh, you know, I, I think he's I think he's just a tick below that with the opportunity here in the next couple of weeks. And then as we get the playoffs, too. Try and elevate himself into that top that top five
2: is there an argument to be made that as as much as they are you know he, he's putting up great numbers just some of the games he's had in since november 11 for 150 against green bay six for 106 against the giants seven for 126 against jacksonville 10 for 120 yesterday against philadelphia even him getting 10 catches yesterday and 11 targets for me, Brad, I don't know about you. I still came out of that going like they didn't get him the ball enough. It felt I like th-
1: I felt that they could, I felt Dak could have thrown 20 passes to him and you could have had a, a really huge day. The Eagles had a very difficult time. And I can't wait to watch the All 22 Monday morning, Uh, at, you know, at, everybody listening to this, and then report back on our next show or on 1053, The Fan, if you listen to us, the G Bag Nation. Uh, and talk about the breakdown of that because I guarantee you there were probably some more times where he was even open when they didn't even get him the ball. He's yeah. starting to look like CeeDee Lamb. I said this, he started to look like CeeDee Lamb that I saw at Oklahoma where yeah. it's get him the ball and go, get him the ball and go, get him the ball and go. You know, it's not, you know, it's, it's not this, you know, ball behind him. He's having to adjust and, You know, it's it's everything is is working in the right way for him uh, in this in these games. And uh, he's he's played outstanding football.
2: Yeah, it's it felt like a game yesterday that he could have had 16 catches, Um, but they just they they kind of they kind of moved away from him a little bit in the second half. I mean, he had 100 yards at halftime. Um, I think he had three targets the entire second half. Um, So that's the interesting thing. Do you think it's. CD said this himself at the beginning of the season where he said, I feel like if I'm not getting going, the offense isn't getting going. And that's something you know, I've quoted on here quite a bit. Um, but it is interesting that obviously you need the quarterback to be part of that process for a receiver to truly get going. You need good quarterback play for the receiver to be able to execute the way it needs to. But is that DAC to CD? You know, we've heard the straw that stirs the drink comment from Jerry before about Zeke and everything else. He said it before about DAC being the engine, but more specifically, is the DAC to CD connection going to determine how well this offense plays?
1: Yes, it will. It will. Now, will teams be able to take that away? You know, will teams, we saw what Jacksonville did on a third and 10, they triple covered it. Yeah. You know, so. Maybe you're going to see teams, you know. Now it's going to be more on, well, even more on Kellen Moore as to moving him around. Don't keep him stationary. Don't let people bracket him or double cover him. You know, keep him moving, keep him going, keep him running, you know, keep being creative. Don't allow teams to sit there and set their defenses in the secondary, especially. Off where he's aligned. You're
2: listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an odyssey podcast. You can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In the fast-paced world of attacking, speed is everything, and that's where the Furon Seven Plus shines. Engineered for accuracy and precision at a rapid pace, it's your secret weapon on the pitch. Experience overall comfort and precise striking, even in the game's fastest moments. The nylon outsole, with its V-shaped stud configuration, is designed for firm ground, giving you the grip you need to outmaneuver your opponents. Step up your attacking game and learn more, and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com.
2: All right, before we talk any more about this game, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at Love of the Start is Boomer Jacks. I keep telling you guys, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, those are the nights. Those are the days that you need to go check out Boomer Jacks if you're a fan of wings. Because Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. They've got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. And that beer is the coldest in the Metroplex. I love how much you guys have been tagging us uh, when you go to Boomer Jacks and, uh, you know, send us pictures of you hanging out and enjoying that ice cold beer. We love it. Brian and I love to see you guys enjoying it the same day, same way that we do. There are 17 DFW locations, so you can check out yours by going to BoomerJacks.com. That's BoomerJacks.com. Okay, Brian, um, uh, let's take a look at some of the things that uh, maybe didn't go as well yesterday, or, or some that went well, but is obviously not sustainable. Cowboys eke a victory out here; very easily could have lost it on the final drive, and even still, you look at that as a game where they had four takeaways to Philadelphia's one, is there any concern for you that a little bit of flukiness or, or unsustainable turnover activity uh, bailed them out yesterday that won't necessarily bail them out if they get another matchup with the Eagles in the future?
1: Well, the one thing about turnovers is you got to put yourself in position uh, to be able to make them and be able to get them. And, you know, sometimes you got to catch breaks in these games uh, with your turnovers and you know, but I kind of see, I kind of see guys like not interfering with receivers and playing the ball perfectly and going through a guy, not interfering, you know, rights to the ball, finishing plays. You know, I see guys punching balls out, knocking balls loose. That's not fluky. That's, that's, Technique that's taught—that's what you got to do. So yeah, I, I, I think everything that Dallas is doing right now to create these turnovers is a good is good because it, it's not oh well now yeah you could know, have you could have a fumble at the mesh point, but you know why you get a fumble at the mesh point? Because the the runner looks up and they see white flash jersey or guy in the hole, or, you know, it takes their eyes and their concentration off something that they're supposed to be doing. Right. You know, so you're still creating a turnover, even though it, the mesh point is bad and the ball's coming out, you're still creating opportunity by playing your technique or shooting a gap or stepping up or flashing in there to where the, the runner drops the football. So I, I'm not going to say anything the Cowboys did was fluky yesterday. I mean, go back to the Jacksonville game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, running, 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 It looks like trouble. I mean, knocking the ball loose. The, the, the Cowboys have done plenty of that, plenty of that this year, and uh, creating a certain. And, I, and like I mentioned, you know, for, for those guys uh, to get the interceptions the way they did, not interfere, go get the ball. I, that that's that's a lot of credit to them and, and the coaches for teaching that technique.
2: Cowboys get zero quarterback hits on Saturday. This is a pass rush that has not been nearly as effective as it was earlier in the season. Uh, yesterday, it just it didn't really get anything going at all. I know Philadelphia's got a really good offensive line. Um, but is there concern for you with, with how absent the pass rush seems to be over the last three or four weeks?
1: Hard to say, hard to say, because I want to believe there were times where I felt like that, that when you watch the quarterback drop and he was still moving, you know, moving right, moving left, dropping back, throwing balls away. I mean, he threw some balls under duress, I thought were under duress. That their receivers Oh, oh I'll, give, I'll,
2: I'll give them a, a lot of credit that on that final set of four downs, yeah. they, they they generated pass rush there they when did. they needed it. That's what
1: they did, and that's the thing we've always talked about. For this team, that, the one thing this team can hang their hat on is their ability to rush the passer. But teams just not aren't going to let them rush the passer anymore. They're just not. And this week, it was more about the offensive line than it was the scheme, you know, but the ball was out. I mean, Gardner Minshew can throw it sidearm. You saw some He's throwing around guys, you know, he's getting pressure. He's letting it go on the sidelines and he throws a ball up. Dallas Goddard makes this incredible catch, you know, and you're like going, damn, he just threw that ball up. Smith, another one coming across the field, throws the ball up, makes a great catch. You know, those are the kinds of things. I mean, you can you put the pressure. They're just – you know, Jacksonville, they had a chance to get probably three or four sacks, and they, they couldn't finish in the pocket. You know, that's the yep. concern to me. It's not the brush, it's can you finish when you're in the pocket? Earlier in the season, they were finishing in the pocket. You know, now it's a little bit more, it's a little bit been a little iffy uh, in, in those situations.
2: Cowboys also gave up six sacks on the other side, uh, nine quarterback hits. Um, we'll need to go back and check the tape. I thought there were times it looked like uh, there was a little bit of Tyron Smith rust again this week. I thought Tyler Smith played really well. I'll be interested to really get a chance to look at the tape uh, on Tyler Smith. Cause I thought first glance, Tyler Smith looked like he had a really good day. Um, But any issues at all for you with the Cowboys offensive line, or do you think that's just an issue of you're going up against what is the most dominant pass rush in the NFL right now?
1: I don't know who you're going to play. You know, maybe you get in the playoffs. You're going to play some teams that you know have some really good pass rush. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay. Uh, you get you go back play Philadelphia, San Francisco. You know, you're going to play some teams that have some pass rush. So uh, concerning, yeah, I I I really wonder how, if in all that Tyron was poor, was Tyler Smith poor? I know he. He had one uh, you know, sweat. I think sweat ended up with two sacks in the in the game or one and a half, something like that. So, you know, you wonder uh overall though, I mean, but Dallas, you know, they had offense yesterday, even though they gave it six sacks, they had offense yesterday. Yeah, you know, so that that to me is like you say, if you could give me the win, give me some offense. I'll I'll suffer the sacks. I, is it a high number? Sure, but against that crew, man, you're, you're every time you drop back, you're taking a chance that they're going to sack you. You didn't. I mean, you ran the ball and you did it enough to keep them off you. You know, Dak only I think, threw thirty five times in the game. I I'm just grateful this didn't turn in. Maybe the old regime, Dak would have thrown the ball fifty times in this game. You know, instead of being committed to running the football like they were. It wasn't pretty. It was fighting for some inches running. You know, Tony Pollard didn't have one of his better games. It reminded me very much of what they were doing against the Commanders, you know, Mm -hmm. where he didn't have those explosive plays. But he sure hurt Philadelphia catching the football. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the offensive line, get back to them. I I felt like that they, they did what they had to do to win that football game.
2: Six for 61 for Tony Pollard. And, Brian, I saw a successful screen pass yesterday. How about that? Were were you, were you just, were you clapping inside and you can't clap in the press box, but internally, were you like giving them a round of applause? Like it's about damn time.
1: I don't know what goes on. I mean, I know on our end of the press box, there's a lot of damn talking going on. I mean, there's a lot of coaching and talking and I'm sitting there. I leaned over to Kevin gray and I go, I wish everybody would just shut up. (laughs) It's like during the game, like we're, 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 We're down there diagramming plays and pass rush techniques and talking about, well, I don't know if the offensive line, you know, I'm like, my God, just shut up, (laughs) you know, please.
2: Next, Who specifically do you want to shut up? Come on, there's got to be one person you want to... You.
1: I want you to shut up. I'm never going to shut
2: up, Brian. And you know what's funny is we're sitting about as far away as we can. You know what I'm talking about. I know you do. I know exactly what you're talking about. Brian's joking, by the way. I do not talk loudly. I come over and talk to y'all during... Between... Yeah, between stuff I do, not as we're sitting there watching the game live. I'll come over and drop it. But I specifically saw yesterday, you guys, I can't remember what happened. I think there was a sack or something. I'm watching Brian. He's got a pencil in his hand and the play happens and Brian drops it and puts his head in his hand. I'm like, what the hell are we doing here out here? Brian doesn't talk, but Brian definitely emotes when he's watching the game.
1: I just, I just, I'm sitting there and like to my right, it's like at the far end they're like we got coaching going on down there. You know like well, you know man the password is good but you know what they they got this I'm like going shut he's got just be quiet please. I I wish they cuz on the other end we're between like they got all the radio slappies down on one end <laughs> and then they've got all the print media towards the other way. Yep. Well between our print media and say the Eagles writers you could hear slapping of the desk. You could hear the, yes, you could hear, you know, all that. And that's cool because when I was working for a team, I did the same thing. I would go, yes, like that, you know, kind of a thing. But, I mean, I don't. It,
2: Reminder to everyone, this is a working press box and cheering is not allowed.
1: I needed to make that announcement <laughs> in the fourth quarter of that game yesterday.
2: <laughs> there I, there, there was some cheering. And, again, I, I won't. Cheer or like get anger, but I'll just come drop over and drop a thought about three times a game. I'll come over. You're irritating play. as hell, and you're I'll be so like, what "The hell's wrong with this guy?" I know it, and you do. You're just like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, man." And you're just like scribble it in your notebook. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to
1: Bobby, Bobby will walk over and he'll say, "Yeah, what do you think about that quarterback now? Huh? How about that yeah. quarterback? Yeah, how about it? Him? You, ever, you ever see a throw like that before?" I'm like, <laughs> and I'm writing in my notes. I'm like, "No, Bobby, I haven't." And I just keep, you know. I feel like i like I talk to him five days a week. I talk to him on the oh. podcast. I'm like, why do you insist on walking up and talking to me while the game's going?
2: You on? know, you know how many more times I'm going to do it? Well, all Never. the games are Never. over. Home games Never. are over. Damn it! No, if but they win, if they win Cowboys, the, if they win the NFC East, I'm switching seats with Walchuk. Walchuk yeah. is going to sit next to Jane Slater, and I'm no. going to sit next to you for the whole fucking game. <laughs> oh, I got to have to bleep
1: that. <laughs> I, I have to bleep that out.
2: That's what I'm going to do though. I gonna come sit right next to you. Uh back to the game itself though, Brian. Um when we look at how the corner rotation played yesterday. Uh, and I got the snaps in front of me here. Mackenzie Alexander played 14 snaps, that's 20%. Okay. Uh okay. Wright played 38 snaps.
1: Okay, and that was,
2: and he also uh played 21 snaps on special teams. Uh 67 of the 71 snaps for Duran Bland and then the full 71 for Diggs. 0 snaps at a corner for Kelvin Joseph on uh Saturday uh, is as Kelvin Joseph potentially ended his Cowboys career.
1: Well, I think it's, I think they'll give Kelvin Joseph another opportunity in 2023,
2: but do you think I, they'll I, give him an opportunity in that when he, He's going to be working uphill, and they're going to have. He's going to be working at a deficit. He's not going to be on an even plane with people.
1: I've already looked at almost looked at fifty guys in the draft. There's several corners when Dallas is going to be picking anywhere between twenty seven and thirty two. There's going to be several corners for them to have options of. I think you're getting the emergence of Deron Bland. Uh, We'll see what happens with Nason Wright. I, I do believe that they'll bring. Kelvin Joseph back. uh, And he'll, and yeah, it'll be an uphill battle for him. But, you know, maturity and play skill and all that stuff has to be better than the guys that are ahead of him right now. He's a heck of a special teams player, you know, which gives you some hope. But he is, he's pushing the rock up the hill right now as we speak.
2: I got to say, we were in the locker room yesterday and they won, and it was a a pretty jovial locker room uh he kind of just sat at his locker got dressed and then sat at his locker for about five to ten minutes and uh seemed pretty pretty uh i, I don't know what the word is sullen maybe um despondent little bit yeah it, it looked like a guy who it looked like the lo- the rest of the locker looks when they lose yeah and like yeah. i i don't want to get into like i, I don't want to be the psychologist like trying to read body language after you, you know of a football player sitting at his locker but it's just like this is kind of the this, this is this is one of those things like like is this the attitude you want sitting at your locker right after a a, a big divisional victory that keeps you alive is he's were you know he's upset that he's not getting his play to look like the biggest somebody had said on twitter yesterday was asking me like who, you know, you know wow, we, who would have thought that that Deron Bland would be playing this much better than Kelvin Joseph? And it's like, okay, but the reason Deron Bland is playing better than Kelvin Joseph is because he has good instincts, good intangibles, good football character, and Kelvin Joseph has shown absolutely none of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, and getting back to how they played the snaps, you know, all uh, last week on whether it was 105.3 The Fan or on the podcast, we talked about the possibility of Bland playing outside, McKenzie Alexander playing inside. It just it made too much sense for me now. Uh then. But what might make sense to them now is start bland at left corner when they go to nickel, put right on the outside and bland on the inside. And that's maybe the next time that we see them play on Thursday night. They'll you could you could probably see. You'll see the probably the secondary that ended, the um the ended the game against the Eagles. You might see that as your starting, your starting secondary on uh, Thursday night against the Titans.
2: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I uh, would
1: be honest with you. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. You there, you But I, with Willis playing quarterback for the Titans now. I, I kind of feel like that you need to be in play the run mode.
2: I, yes.
1: I, I think you could play a lot more base defense against this guy. I don't think he's going to hurt you throwing the football. Not, not right now. If he was at Liberty, he would hurt you throwing the football because he was, he was a good passer right now. It's just too tough for him. So I'm playing. I'm trying to keep Henry from getting going and I'm trying to keep Willis from running the football. Now, there's some whispers that maybe the Titans because the game against Dallas means nothing to them. It means nothing. So whoever whoever wins the game, the final game, Jacksonville and Tennessee, that's your division champ right there. So this game to them, I, I heard that they might rest some guys just to get ready for that, uh, that Jacksonville game uh, at the end of the year.
2: Yeah, and they're going to need to get ready because Jacksonville right now is just a flat-out better football team. They are in Tennessee. Tennessee's been awful recently, but yeah, you know uh, you you've kept hope alive. Uh, the Cowboys have. You just are probably kicking yourself, uh, as we've talked about, for the Green Bay and Jacksonville games that you let those slip away and that you you didn't win those games because now you'd be looking at your game back with two weeks to play and and the Eagles potentially not having their quarterback next week against well, the States. And so if I
1: if I'm the Cowboys you have to go into Thursday night's game to win the game because you don't know what's going to happen on Sunday with Philadelphia traveling to New Orleans. You know, New Orleans won their game against Cleveland. They're still playing for a shot to potentially, you know, win the NFC South, you know? So New Orleans is going to play hard. The Giants are going to play hard to kind of maintain their position uh, in the playoffs. So, yeah, the the Eagles – if this AC joint situation for Jalen Hurts doesn't improve, you still got to keep playing. You know, I, I know the Eagles are an outstanding team, but but those teams that are playing are also playing for playoff spots, too. So you you've got to go out and try and win the game Thursday. And if if in fact the Philadelphia Eagles beat the uh, beat the uh Saints, uh, Saints then The following week against the uh, against the uh, commanders do what you want to do to kind of get people rested up and ready for your trip to whoever wins the NFC South
2: you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast, the Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast you can listen to it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear, check, breakfast, lunch and dinner, check, planning for what's next and how to save for it, that's where Bank of America can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDIC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up?
2: All right, before we wrap things up here with our Love of the Star mailbag, I need to remind you of our wonderful partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I I can't say enough good things about Boomer Jacks. Brian and I both... Love it. Uh, Our families love it. Our friends love it. And it's because it's the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for a great place to hang out, watch the game uh, with some of your buddies, Boomer Jack's is the spot. If you're looking for a nice, uh, quiet dinner on a weekend with the family, Boomer Jack's again, the spot. And if you're looking for just a a nice spot for happy hour, uh, you know, with the coworkers or whatever else, Boomer Jack says he set up drink special starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer. They've got you hooked up. Whatever atmosphere you're looking for, I promise you Boomer Jacks has it. And if the atmosphere you're looking for is a great place for wings, well, then Boomer Jacks is definitely your place. Because on Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music, you are not going to want to miss it. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to BoomerJacks.com. That is BoomerJacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, it is now time for the Christmas edition of the Dean Julia Love of the Star Mailbag uh, first question here is from Ryan Trammell, and Ryan says uh, that he saw a Twitter exchange between yourself and Mike Lombardi about yeah. the offense and Kellen Moore and not knowing how to help the defense. He's just wondering if you can uh, elaborate a little bit on that yeah. discussion you guys were having. Yeah,
1: and I'm glad you got into that because when I get to the All-22, and, and very astute on your part, Michael and I always talk about the, uh, the middle eight and the middle eight is known as the first, excuse me, the final 4 minutes of the first half and then the first 4 minutes of the second half. And so we always talk about final eight or how you manage the game. And then you also talk about 4 minute offense. And you know, I'm I'm looking forward to sitting down, watching the all 22, you know, there's ways to manage the game, there's ways to help the defense, there's ways to make teams use their timeouts. You know, if you want to say something that uh, uh, negative about the game yesterday, yeah, it was a victory, but game management, clock management, you know, you should, it, it, you know, the the, <laughs> the Eagles shouldn't have had a timeout left and they should not have had all that time left in order to drive the ball to try and score. I appreciate the fact that they kicked the field goal to try and make it, a, you know, to make it a touchdown game, but man, you know, just the management Dak running out of bounds at 201.
2: Yes. You know, and then uh, taking the sack at the two minutes. Sa-
1: taking the sack. I mean, yes. I mean, those are all things that you have to, you can't let those things happen to you. And so, you know, Dallas got away with one, but they they, you know, I, I kind of felt like Philadelphia. Philadelphia on their final drive, the, the last four downs had a timeout left. Got a first down, spike the ball on first down. Okay, so now you have three plays. Okay, maybe you have three plays in a timeout, but you needed all four plays, and you only got three plays out of it. You probably should have gone ahead and used the timeout, but they're probably thinking, well, we throw the ball in the field to play and call a timeout. Well, to me, I, I was like, no, you, you need the plays. You need all the chances. You know, you blew an opportunity to use a play to save clock when you had a timeout. I, I don't know. I, the game management stuff to me, and that's the conversation that Michael and I were having, is that the way that those last few minutes of the game for the Cowboys on offense were managed, because again, I'm going to look, look on you know, when the clock starts and their play snaps, all those things, Dak running out of bounds. Man, it just got it got really, really mangled in those last few minutes trying to kill that game.
2: Did any part of you on that uh, final offensive set for Dallas? Did any part of you think they weren't just hard counting and they were actually going to go for it on that fourth down?
1: I, I, I was talking with Zach Wolchuk, who does the post game with me. And oh Zach wait,
2: and why the, were you why were you talking during the game? Don't, I was don't talk about the game, Brian. No,
1: no, we we were talking. We were down in the Cowboy Club. We are down in yeah. the Lower Light Club, and I was standing there, and I was I looked at him, and I said, I might need to go score a touchdown here. I might just think about trying to get a touchdown. End it. And, yeah, and end it. And, you know, and he's like, man, do you think they could go 98 yards on you? I'm like, I, I think they could, probably could. But I'm gonna try and end this thing now. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna put this defense back out there again and try and win this game. And you know, fortunately they got a stop, you know, down on their end of the field. But man, did the Eagles come just roaring down the field? You know, yeah. but it was a it was a field goal, it was a kickoff, it was, you know, there were a lot of things involved. If you give them the ball 90-something yards away, maybe it doesn't happen it that well. But I, there was a side of me that thought, okay take the points make it a seven point game you know or a six point game for them to have to have the touchdown to win and I was like cool with that and then I was thinking to myself but damn I if I score here I could end this thing so I I was really really caught they call that situation no Moss uh the Cowboys do
2: no more and it's happened, yep.
1: and it's happened to them two times now that they've had to deal with that
2: do you think they named that uh, after Ambar Garcia's uh, No Moss segment on DallasCowboys.com? dot com?
1: I think Ambar had something to do with that.
2: I, th- I think that's I yeah. think that's the the correct take there. Uh, next question here from JB. He says, "Firstly, love the podcast, listening each week in Australia. Uh, so thank you, JB. Uh, why do the cornerbacks play so far off on some plays, effectively yeah. behind the first down line? They did it some on third down and long plays, and again." on one of the touchdown plays. Basically, question from JB here, Brian, is, of course, why are they just not playing press man more?
1: That's a good question. They should. Yeah, I mean, you got guys. I'll tell you what. We're on Diggs' watch now, I think.
2: Diggs was bad yesterday, for the most part.
1: A couple times. I get it, man. Those receivers are absolute monsters. I get it. But man, you were playing in another area code yesterday, so uh, not not his best driving on the football, not his best being around the ball, not his best, you know, when it came to defending slants. And I kind of felt like that the guys on the other side were more competitive, you know, trying to play the routes than what Diggs was.
2: He and 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 he like on that was, uh, that fourth that, down that fourth down touchdown. He, he was. Just, a, he sold out and abandoned his area. It was. He he made some some bad freelance plays too.
1: He no showed that thing yesterday. He it was, was
2: not a great bad. game. I still think he play. He's played pretty damn well most of the season. I think he was. I think he was good for the most part against Jacksonville. But yeah, yesterday was bad. Um, and and was not the type of showing that you want to see from him. But in general, would you be in favor of? Let's look because I mean, there was a time I think they had Bland off on a third and six, and Devontae Smith just catches it first down.
1: You see what happens when they play off and they get the double moves. Yeah, it's just it's every time you know,
2: that's what helps. That's what happened to Calvin Joseph in Jacksonville. I know that's what I'm
1: saying. That's what I'm saying. I I, I get it. Maybe they don't like these guys playing a lot of press man. I would rather get beat playing press man than I would off and get double moved and, and work that way or having you know, having digs like his eyes are in the backfield and he loses track of what's going on. I think that happened to slay. I think that happened to slay on the third and 30 play.
2: Yeah. He was I watching.
1: He, he was watching inside.
2: He was like so getting over there too. Yeah. he was like getting over to, to Hilton and then like his feet weren't totally set at the snap. I don't think. And he was peering in the backfield. Yeah. And so, so he got burned there. I, yeah. Next question here. Actually, uh, looking at the caucus, probably final question here uh, from Chris, McC- Chris McClellan. What's the best thing they can do to improve the run defense? And I assume that question, I mean, honestly, the best thing they can do to improve the run defense is probably just wait out the returns of Leighton Vander Esch and Jonathan Hankins. As soon as those yeah. happen, they'll probably feel better. But is there anything they can do short of that to improve the run defense, Brian? Did
1: you think Philadelphia ran the ball well yesterday?
2: Um, no, not, not, not in general,
1: three yards of carry,
2: not in general. There were a few <laughs> times where it seemed frustrating that they were able to pick up like five or six on a first down, but, yeah, for the but part, it, no, I thought they were okay.
1: Yeah. But it wasn't like, I mean, you, you see what the Eagles are without hurts playing as a running back and quarterback. Yeah. You know, I thought the Cowboys played a lot better run defense in this game than they did the first time they met in Philadelphia.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, uh, yeah, to to answer the question, it's likely wait with Van Der Esch and and getting Hankins back. At, you know, who, who do they
2: miss more? Who do they miss more? Van Der Esch. Yeah. I think so. Yesterday Luke Gifford ended up playing 12 snaps and they started rotating Clark and Barr off. I know Barf had the big or Barf Bar had the big uh fumble recovery uh and I think he made a play or two in the fourth quarter that that were kind of turning the day but I thought Barr had a, a rough day the first three quarters actually well, this is the, the first viewing. The
1: playing coverage is not his suit. I no, they, they can't have him thing. do that. Yeah, he he gets he gets exposed doing that.
2: Well, that does it here for us on the Love of the Star podcast. We will, uh, have a couple more here for you this week, uh, with, with the Tennessee game, short week, the Titans game coming up on Thursday. Uh, Brian, we will continue to cheer for the Cowboys to win out, the Eagles to lose out so that I can switch chairs with Wolchuk and I can sit next to you for an entire game, uh, at AT&T Stadium. I think that, uh, I mean, honestly, uh, I, I think that that'd be a, a great experience for you if i could just sit there and pelt you with questions like i can say hey what's that called when there're only four defensive linemen and three linebackers Brian? what's that called what do they call that defense and like is it, what what do they call that they call that a they they call that a steam route and you're like it's a smoke route shut the hell up and like i i just i, I think i'd enjoy that i think that'd be fun for you too
1: it might be the first time that somebody has been slugged in the
2: uh, press box at AT&T Stadium. Uh, I don't know. There's a chance Calvin Watkins maybe has done that to somebody at some point. So See,
1: I'm sure Tim McMahon did something, <laughs> something.
2: We love you, Calvin and Tim. Uh, that does it here for us. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and Merry Christmas.